Good morning. You know, packing for a trip can be a difficult task. And there are usually two kinds of people that pack for a trip. There are those who know exactly what they're going to wear every moment of the experience, and those of us who want to make sure we have everything for anything for what we might possibly need on a trip. I tend to pack large. I tend to have a couple of two-day, three-trip, two or two or three-day trip, and find myself taking a larger suitcase than I need to because I'm just always concerned that there's going to be that one event or that one thing or that change of plans that I should I should dress differently or approach things differently. And so, oftentimes, what happens is uh, I take a bigger bag than is needed. Now. We'll use this as Exhibit A, okay? This is, my, this is my favorite travel bag of all bags. This bag has gone with me to Ecuador. It's gone with me to the Dominican Republic. Uh, being lead pastor, one of the opportunities I have is to partner with many of our, our, our mission partners, and so I get a chance to even partner with our global partners. And so I'll take a bag like this, and I need to be gone for four or five days, and I'm supposed to include things like bedding or a pillow or, you know, obviously socks and undies, things like that, you know, and you begin to pack those things in there. And then you're like, well, I also need to bring my Bible or, or I wonder if I should bring my laptop or I wonder if I should bring, wonder if I should bring, wonder if I should. And before I know it, I have filled this bag to the brim. And oftentimes I'll come rolling up to the airport and notoriously, I feel like I'm running late. And so I'm stressed and I'm anxious. And the moment of truth happens. You get to the counter and you need to check your bag and they ask you, Please put it on the scale, right? And for a guy like me who never wants to be without, it's always a moment of stress because I know I have filled this bag as full as it can possibly be. And I usually take it and I pick it up and that moment of intrepidation begins and I set it down. Will it be over? Will it be under? I don't know if you ever get stressed in that moment. I wish bags had like a, like a gauge or a voice. Like when you begin to stuff things in, you could say to your bag, Hey, I'm going to take a flight to wherever it's going to be. And as soon as you stuffed it, stuffed it up to where it's going to be over, it would just kind of say to you, Hey, that's enough, right? Hey, I can't take any more. Hey, don't, 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 don't try and get another thing in here. Because that moment when you get to the scale and you find out it's overloaded, you have to make some quick decisions. What's going to go in your backpack? What are you going to throw away? Is there anybody on your trip that you can hand some of this stuff to? Because you are now in a point where you have brought all of your baggage with you, enough clothes to last a month for a three-day trip, and you are sitting in that moment realizing you are not only overprepared, but now you've become a nuisance to everybody that's with you. Have you had that moment? pulling out socks and shoes and undies and whatever it is, and you're just looking for people's bags that you can stick stuff in. And for me, I, I, don't, I don't know where it started. I don't know if it was something in my childhood that we used to go on trips and I used to get embarrassed because I didn't have what I wanted or I, I got bored and didn't have something to play with. I, I don't know where, to, where it comes from, but there's this myth that I think we, we begin to pile on ourselves. We begin to prepare ourselves that we want to have more with us, have more opportunity, have more. Th- we just keep piling stuff on. And this myth is this, the more you handle the more valuable you are. 
The more you handle, the more valuable you are. And I can admit when I go on these trips, you know, as I'm supposed to go and I'm supposed to represent first, I'm supposed to connect with these mission partners. I want to make sure I have what I need. I want to make sure I have gifts. I want to make sure that I'm prepared. I want to make sure that I I can get video. I want to make sure I can get pictures. I want to make sure that we have a, a maximized opportunity. And some of you are going, man, I'm just getting stressed. Listen to this guy talking about taking the trip. But we get to this point of our lives where we start piling and piling and piling stuff on ourselves because somewhere along the way, we convinced ourselves the more we can handle, the more valuable we are. Now, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that people in our lives that are highly responsible and can produce are valuable. But people are valuable before they produce anything. Would we agree with that? And matter of fact, I don't value you and you shouldn't value me just on what I can carry or what I can do. But who I am who you are. But we spend time in our world labeling and defining ourselves as the tough guy, the strong guy, the guy who doesn't get shook, the guy who can always power up, the guy who can always get the ball across the goal line. We, we, we score ourselves in these ways as if the tough guy, the strong guy, the unshakable guy is the one who's truly valued. And what we create in ourselves are not only unrealistic expectations, but a hardened outer shell that never allows ourselves to put down our fists, to embrace the relationships around us, and to be the kind of people that can genuinely lead and serve as Jesus does. I want to welcome you to Handle with Care, week two. And last week, we began to unpack some of this idea of who we are. And it would be great for us to be the kind of people that realize that our value is based on who we are before God, made in God's likeness and his image, that our weaknesses are actually the moments that God's strength shines through and we're able to connect with others. There are times that in our own struggle, we have to realize that we're not adding value, we're just adding stress in our journey. And we need to be the kind of people that can can trust that we are who God says we are, the kind of people that allow others to journey with us and really recognize how to carry what's truly ours. Last week, we began to unpack this conversation about handle with care, and we made the disclaimer that none of us are therapists. None of us are licensed counselors. But we think that the scripture has a lot to talk about where our identity comes from and who should handle our stress. And we recognize that we should be the kind of people where it's okay to not be okay, that we're the kind of people that can normalize a conversation about mental health but not romanticize it, meaning that we can recognize that we need to put down our guard, have conversations about the struggles and journey of our life, but we we shouldn't just pile it on like, like NASCAR labels and stickers of all the things that we're going through, but recognizing that our identity is ultimately in Christ. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 is where we were last week, and we're going to hit this passage again. We're going to look at it a little bit differently, 
But Romans chapter 5 is foundational to our understanding because we, we recognized last week that Paul, the writer of Romans 5, is exactly the kind of person that we need to look at about battling mental health. Paul, being a man who was arresting followers of Jesus, was putting them in prison, destroying households, ultimately putting many to death, was the kind of guy that after he had lived this life of believing that he was honoring God, came face to face to an encounter with Jesus and realized he was actually fighting against God. And God didn't just chastise him and smack him around and say, okay, you go off to the corner. No, God redeemed him and then sent him back in to his mission. So imagine this, Paul fighting and chasing after God, thinks he's doing the right thing, but actually is fighting against God, uh, destroys households, arrests families, throws them into prison, has many of them killed, and then God says, okay, now I need you to be the face of this movement. And now you're walking back into communities. You're walking it back into neighborhoods. You're walking back into areas where you will now be recognized for who you used to be, but they get to see who you are now becoming in Jesus. Sometimes we talk about mental health or we talk about who we should be in Christ and we always say, well, well th that's Jesus. Jesus is fully God and Jesus is fully man. But we look at Paul and we go, I, 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 I can get behind him. A man living for his own benefit, destroying households, now has the potential to transform the world because of what Christ has done. I, I, I need to hear that message. So Romans 5, starting in verse 1, says it this way. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but also in our sufferings or hardships, because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. And God does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. Paul is trying to emphasize so clearly that our lives are now justified before God, meaning they've been right. It's a, it's a legal discussion that the debt against us is now canceled and corrected, paid for through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And now we stand in relationship with God to be sent out on God's behalf. We've been changed, transformed, the gift of Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection is the key by which our whole life's identity is unlocked. And now we stand before God without fear, without consequence, being seen as fully loved in the identity of Jesus. And being justified in Jesus reminds us reminds us that our perspective on life and our posture before God has been changed. And ultimately, we bear our burdens with Jesus. 
The burdens and struggle of our lives are clearly handed over to God himself. It's interesting, Paul doesn't even use the word Savior. He uses the word Lord. That our king, our ruler of our heart, our will, our way, our mind, our emotions, it is handed over to him and therefore transformed in his likeness. I, I love what... Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, I'm just going to read it for you. It's not going to be on the screen, but I want you to listen to this. Because Jesus gives an invitation to life that is much different than often the burdens that we bear. Matthew 11, out of the message, says it this way. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me and get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how uh, to take real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay everything, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Last week we talked a lot about how we all have baggage. We all have a burden that we carry. And most of the times when you see a bag filled to the brim, you expect great weight and great struggle. But, but Jesus is offering a life that is full and overflowing and its burden is light. It's easy to carry because God is with us. And God is for us. And his spirit is empowering us. And God is intending that we would carry our burdens with him. And that he would work in our lives. In a way that would begin to transform even our sufferings, our struggles. Into a moment of perseverance to develop greater character in us. And that character would ultimately produce the hope. Not that's the hope that we're going to get through this. Not just the hope that tomorrow is going to come. But the hope that God is at work with us and in us and through us. And that God will be glorified and our lives will be changed for his glory and honor. But it also reminds us that it's not just the work of God. It's the transformation that happens in community. That individually what we are intended to experience with God should bear fruit in the relationships around us. So let's look at this passage again. But I want you to listen to it from more of a, a communal identity, if you will. Listen to the, to the pronouns, the we and the ours, and the, the conversations about who we are in our identity. Romans 5, verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. 
And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given to us. See, the dangerous thing about coming to church sometimes is that all we do is we put our minds into a mindset and say, okay, God, what do you want? What do you want from me? What, what do I need to do, God? God, how do I need to change my life? And we get into this mental funk of where our faith is just this private experience, personal experience with God. And it is that. But every private and personal experience with God is intended to influence our dynamic into personal relationships around us. This is one of the great dangers of American Christianity is that we approach our faith for us individually and isolate ourselves from the people around us. We hear it in phrases like, Danny, I like coming to first. You guys are just big enough that I can still stay anonymous. What? What did you? I, I like first because it's big enough that I can still come and I can still get what I need, but I can stay anonymous. So you're saying that you're glad that we're a church of our size so that you can come and get your, what you need from Jesus, but you don't want anything else from anybody else around you. Friends, that's dangerous. It's dangerous. And I realize some of us have been hurt in the church. I realize some of us have been hurt by church people. I realize some of us have gone through journeys where we have felt isolated when we needed somebody. We have all sorts of reasons. We all have baggage. But the gift of God is intended to be lived out in relationship with others. And if mental health is going to be something that we're going to battle healthily, we have to do that together. We have to do that with others. See, we recognize that in our relationship with God, that God has provided for us a family with God. And when we look at others around us, we realize that this family is intended to create community with one another, where we can together persevere and build character and live out a hope to the world around us. And we begin to realize that inwardly, if we can't save ourselves, not only do we need a savior, but we need to stop isolating ourselves, trying to handle it alone and walk with others. This means that our burdens in life are probably not meant to be borne on their own. It's not something we're supposed to just carry in isolation. And maybe, maybe you're sitting here today and your marriage is exact, just falling apart. Your household is struggling in the current moments. And if you found yourself strapping that baggage to your shoulder just to push further, push harder, perhaps today is for you. See, here's what we know, we know to be true. We are called to bear our burdens with God's people. We bear our burdens with Jesus, but we also bear our burdens with God's people. 
I love our children's ministry right now. They have a t-shirt. And if you're a volunteer in our children's ministry, they give out these t-shirts and then they, they wear them and they, they kind of represent team colors or whatever. But I just love this phrase. It's not scripture, but it just says it takes a village. And if you take your kids to our kids' ministry, you know that to be true because you hand off your kids, maybe to someone you know or maybe someone you don't know, but you entrust them in a way that what's going to be taught to them, what's going to be shared with them is going to invigorate them into a walking, living, healthy relationship with God. We have to do this together. Now, this is a battle for a guy like me. I've been transparent enough to say that I struggle with depression. I have a hard time with the funk between my ears. I'm a person who unfortunately values myself too easily by the production of what I produce or what I bring to the table. And so when it comes to a moment like this, it would be very easy to wall my life up and not be vulnerable. Sometimes we get caught into moments of emotional unhealth. Our relationships begin to spiral. Things that once irritated us now aggravate us. Things that once distracted us now destroy us. And so Galatians 6 is a passage that I think is helpful as we walk through this message today. Galatians 6, uh, Paul is talking to another group of people about how to live out this faith of being justified before God with one another. And he describes it literally as somebody who's been caught in sin, somebody who's been ensnared in a struggle, like like an animal that's been caught and can't get away. He says this in Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 2. Here's the remedy. Carry each other's burdens in a way, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, this is an issue of pride. If anyone thinks of themselves as they're something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to anyone else. For each of you should carry your own load. Paul's describing this idea of burdens and loads. Burdens and loads. Burdens are something that you carry for a season that is more than you were intended to carry. A load is a personal responsibility that you are intended to live out. Maybe it's in your household. uh, Maybe it's at work. And the The discernment to recognize what is a burden and what is a load is crucial because oftentimes we assume that burdens are actually loads because we value ourselves taking on more and more and more and more. But when loads become too much and they begin to be burdens and we begin to sink under the pressure of our life, those are moments where Paul is saying, this is when we need to offload some of the weight. Uh, The passage here, the difference between burdens and loads, is actually, uh, it's like seaworthy conversation between ships. Ships can only carry so much and truly navigate the waters of the ocean well. 
And so Paul is using a description that when a boat is or ship is overloaded, that another ship needs to come alongside and they need to offload some of that burden until the ship can get back to port, can get back to a healthy balance, and then head out to sea healthily again. Does that describe where you are right now? Have you strapped on more and more baggage that you are now overloaded? You're wondering why you're angry. You're wondering why your relationships are going poorly. You wonder why things are so upset right now. And you have convinced yourself, the more I can handle, the more valuable I am. Clearly, we can give this to God through prayer, scripture reading, trust. But we can also give it to the people around us. Aaron Hayes uh, is our worship, our creative arts pastor here. And uh, this is a little known fact that many of you may not know about Mr. Aaron Hayes. You may see him as the guy with the best hair on staff or, you know, see him as a great vocalist. Sorry, just keeping it personal here. But I know you like my haircut, but his is much better. But Aaron Hayes is an Eagle Scout. It's one of the highest honors you can actually have as a Boy Scout. And we were in our teaching team, and we were talking about the appropriate levels of burdens and loads and recognizing it. And he said, you know, when I was a kid, I was, I was expected to go on this hiking trail, and I had a backpack, and I had all these responsibilities that I was supposed to bring with me, uh, cooking utensils, clothing, uh, sleeping bag, tent, all these things that I was supposed to carry, but there was a hike in, in, ahead of me. And this may surprise you. Aaron's always been a skinny mini. You know what I'm saying? He's always been thin. He's never really been a, a hulking man like me, right? You know what I'm saying? He's not exactly a guy that you look at and say, load the boy up, right? And he said, you know what I had to do? He said, I had to come to a point, even as a kid, that I knew everything that I was responsible for, and then I need to ask people to help me carry what my load was. And he said, and I didn't just put it on their back and say, get it there and I'll meet you at the top of the mountain. It was every day. At every point, when we would stop or set up camp or whatever we would do, I was responsible to go make sure that my load was cared for and taken care of. He says, when I hear this passage, that's what I hear about myself. I wasn't a bad kid. It's not my fault. It's part of the lesson for me to learn that my, my burdens, my loads are best carried with other people. And it actually gave me a chance to get to know people, to work with people, to have responsibility. It taught me what was best in my life and how to manage it. It gave me an opportunity to recognize that there are people around me who want to see my success, but also want to see me stand on my own. Friends, if we can be honest, part of the reason... Part of the reason we keep strapping it on is because we're afraid others will let us down. We're afraid others are going to mishandle that. And can, I, can we just say this out loud? Every time we power up, we internally say, I would rather drown on my own than have your help. Is that too much? Hey, I know you love me, and I know you, that, that, that I love you, but I need you to know 
I would rather fight this battle on my own and drown than ask you for help. Now, what does that mean for us? What does that mean for our marriage? What does that mean for our job? What does that mean for our friends? See, we should be the kind of people that as we go through these journeys of life, we recognize that we should be the church, the kind of people that come alongside and help carry one another's burdens. That maybe there's a group of people in this world that wouldn't be surprised with the stress that you're feeling. Shouldn't the church be the kind of place that you can let your guard down in front of? Uh, Maybe you're struggling with uh, uh, incredible loneliness and isolation. Shouldn't the church be the kind of place that could pause and stop and listen to one another? Uh, Maybe we're the kind of people that are struggling with our own shame, our own anxiety, and we're carrying it around, unsure what to do with it, but shouldn't the church be the place where we could ask for help? Unfortunately, churches have sometimes been known for propping people on pedestals and celebrating their production or their performance. And sometimes we've been contributors to that isolation. Burdens are best borne together. What would it look like for a church to stand before God together justified in the righteous sacrifice of Christ, come together hand in hand to walk with him. So let me ask this question. What can we do? What can we do to change all of this? Two words. Reach out. Reach out is kind of a two-sided conversation, though. For those of us that are struggling and are battling in our own journey, we need to reach out and ask for help. And for those of us that maybe have our load managed right now, maybe we have some extra space to help carry somebody else's burden, maybe we could reach out. What's that look like? I think it means sharing the weight with one another, whether we're actually handing it over or we're taking it off of other people's shoulders. Be the kind of people that are vulnerable, that admit when we need help, but also be the kind of people that are vulnerable enough to not shame or to call out or to burden others. Our goal should be to help each other carry their own weight, to find their own strength. That's why James 5 talks about how we should be patient with one another. We should be impatient until until Christ returns, when all things are made new. Because in these moments, like a farmer, God is growing us, shaping us, maturing us. I think we need to encourage one another. We reach out by encouraging one another. You know, we live in a world that critiques in a paragraph and compliments in a sentence. We love to talk about all the things that are wrong and very seldom pull over to say what is right. We're quick to cancel, slow to forgive. And what happens is over time, it doesn't matter whether we're out to eat, whether we've gotten a haircut, whether we rode in a friend's car, whether we went on vacation, 
oftentimes the first things out of our mouths are critique. And I'll just tell you, conversations that are always led with critique probably speak to an issue of our hearts. It's the groaning of our souls, recognizing that deep down inside, we're just unhappy people. That's why Ephesians 4 says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to live a life worthy of the calling you've received by being completely humble and gentle, being patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I think we reach out by reminding each other of God's love. who we are, are God's most prized possession. God is working in us, not only for his salvation, but to grow us into his character and likeness. Ephesians reminds us that we are saved by his grace through faith. Not that we can boast, not that we can brag about ourselves, but that we can boast about what God's doing because we are God's Handiwork. I love that phrase. We are God's handiwork. Literally, it means we are God's masterpiece. Like an irreplaceable piece of art is how God sees you. Created in Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Let's move to our time of response. I think we all recognize that we have baggage in our lives. But I guess the question is today, is when you go to sort your baggage, is there anything that you need to hand off? Is there anything before God that we just need to pause with today and say, God, I I can't carry this? Maybe you've experienced a death recently. Maybe your job is unbearable. Maybe there's a relationship that's just been completely destroyed. And you don't know where to begin. stop strapping it to our back and just adding it to the pile of baggage that we already have and can we can we sort it today not only can we give it to God but can we can we ask for a team lift can we ask for other people to come around Wednesday night Christy and I flew out to Phoenix to get away for a couple of days because we wanted to go somewhere where we knew we would get sun and so we went to Phoenix and got 94 degrees of it in the middle of or the end of April run up with our bag and we get it to that moment we put it on the we put it on the belt and I'm worried about it I know it's a little bit heavy and they take it and they put it through but we get to Phoenix and we see our bag come off the conveyor and it's coming down and all of a sudden there's a different tag and it says heavy heavy looking at that baggage going 
it's going to require us to lift it differently. You can't just grab it and throw it where you want to. And I wonder if today maybe there's there's the conversation well beyond, uh, maybe it's being a part of a group, maybe it's part of getting connected, but is there somebody that you can begin to reach out to? Maybe you see somebody with their baggage and they, it, they didn't put a sticker on it, they didn't put a tag on it, but you can tell it's heavy. Can you reach out and help them? Would you reach out and let somebody help you? We're not intended to walk this journey of faith alone. And of all the places that you should be okay with not being okay, it should be here. Because God recognizes what we cannot carry, he can. And what we should not carry, we can together. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread And as he was speaking about our burdens and our struggles, he took this bread. We call this moment communion. And today, as we take this bread and we're reminded that Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. As we eat it and consume it, we should be reminded that Jesus bore our sin and bears our burdens. Jesus said, take and eat. In the same way, he took the juice. He said, this is my blood poured out for you. Take and drink. While we declare the work of Jesus and recognize that his death, burial, and resurrection provides justification for us all, we also must recognize that every one of us that ate the bread and drank the juice are saying that we are in this together. Last of all, in our time of response, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to give, whether it's through the app or whether it's through the give and respond boxes. But to join us in bearing the burden together, the load together, to advance the mission of the church, the kingdom of God together, so the world might know his love. Let's stand and continue to respond through singing.